Good morning. How you guys doing? You guys awake? If not, wake up. All right. Hope you guys, how did John do? Did he do good? John, yeah, John always does good. So. Love having John here. Uh, it was nice. He filled in for us while we were gone. Uh, he's always fun. John always has a good word, but he mixes a lot of uh, jokes and um, just life with it. So it's always good to good to hear him. So if you guys want to, turn to Matthew for me. Matthew 5. We're going to be in Matthew 5. Thank you. So we're going to stay in Matthew 5 today. I have a couple more scriptures, but you guys don't need to turn. It's not a big deal. All right, so Matthew 5, verses 13. Salt and light. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. The city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to the whole house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. That's a lot of scripture right there. You could spend a month on that, just that scripture alone. Um, we're not going to, so uh, I'm going to talk about this a little bit today. But um, I, I was just, we, we were at the conference and they just touched on this briefly and God just kind of started putting things in my in my head and, and kind of gave me a, a download of, of what he kind of wanted me to talk about. And this is this is just a small passage of what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is really diving into if you guys read before and after this, there's just so much more. But Matthew five is one of the is one of a um, few of the chapters where this is where Jesus is having the Sermon on the Mount and he is talking to people and he's talking about um, this is the Beatitudes and, and in different areas that Jesus is really talking about. He's talking to them and he's basically unpacking this huge amount of revelation for people. And so he goes on to say, he says, I'm going to read in a different translation. It says, the li- your lives should be, excuse me, your lives are salt among people. But if you like salt become bland, how can your saltiness be restored? Flavored? Flavorless salt is good for nothing. It will be thrown out and trampled by others on the ground. So Jesus is really saying to you, to us, to everyone there, is what is your life like? Um, if you guys don't know, salt is, um, we, we use salt. How many people like salt on their food? Everybody, yeah. We all, some of you put like just a little bit and some of you just go like this and go like that and put it on there. Um, but salt, it, it, most of you probably know, salt in, in until modern refrigerators was used to preserve food, uh, especially meat. They would uh, they would pack meat and wrap it up in salt and let it hang and let it cure, um, pork especially. But salt was used to preserve things. It was meant to hold in what was there. It was meant to hold uh, keep the value of something. So salt was was used for thou, uh, a couple thousand years to make food. What we have, we would normally just open our refrigerator, pull out a package or something, throw it on the on the stove or in the oven and cook it. They would take and pre- uh, prepare food when they first cr- uh, like say they cut meat. They would take 
and wrap it in something and let it dry there and let it hang there and it preserved the flavor it preserved everything about it kept it from rotting you know we are really grateful for refrigerators because not a lot of us want to get our fresh cuts of meat wrap them in salt and then go out and hang them and, and do that on a daily basis or weekly basis but but salt was so valuable that Jesus was, was talking about this because we don't understand the, the significance of it the way they did. Salt was used for more than just curing meat or putting a little bit on your vegetables or whatever to take away the vegetable taste. Um, salt was so valuable that Roman soldiers were actually paid in salt. They were paid in salt. They weren't paid in gold. They weren't paid in this. And, and some of them were paid in other forms, but salt was one of the things that they were paid in. And it was so valuable because they could take it, they could trade it, they could use it at home, they could buy things with it. There's actually a battle in the Civil War that was fought over salt. It's in Virginia. It's called Saltville, Virginia. And the, U, uh, the Confederate and Northern armies, they fought a battle over it because they wanted to control how much salt was delivered to the South or the North. A lot of people don't know about that. And... Salt was so valuable back then, it was, it was a sign of wealth. In Jesus' culture, if you had salt, you had wealth. So think about this. You have 100 pounds of salt, you basically run whatever. You have 1,000 pounds of salt, you, can, you own this and you can buy this. So it was, it was sought after, it was found as a form of wealth, and people were like, hey, if I got salt, I'm, I'm super wealthy. Um. Salt is used, though, to enhance flavor. You guys, you know, you take a little bit of mashed potatoes, you throw a little bit of salt in it, or you take some corn, you throw some salt on it. I don't know what everybody else puts salt on. I don't, that's about it for me. I'm, I like my food pretty bland. But um, just a little bit of salt adds to it. It enhances the flavor. It, makes a, it can make a bland food taste better. You guys ever put too much on it? You know, ever, anybody ever play that joke on you where they un, undo the salt thing? You go to pour a little bit on and or they replace your sugar with salt, pour a little bit in your coffee, and you're like, why does this taste so bad? A little bit of salt enhances the flavor of what you're eating. Too much salt makes you throw it away. You guys ever done that? Put too much salt? You're baking something and you put, put some salt in it and you're like, yeah, I put it. You put like I put a tablespoon of, of salt in there, and it's like it was supposed to be a teaspoon of salt. And you're like, oh, this hor this is horrible. You know, you you put something, put a little bit too much in it, and what it does is it destroys the food that you're eating. And you're like, oh, and you can't scrape off salt once it's in there. It's you know, it's it's on there. But think about it: when you cook a, before you cook a steak or you cook a a, th a thing of meat, what do you do? You rub salt on it. You let it sit in there, and you you let it brine in there, and then you put it on the grill because what it does is it enhances the flavor that you do well what don't you do you don't take cook your meat then pour salt over top of it and eat it because what does it do if you took and put all kinds of salt all over the top of the meat when you get done cooking it it doesn't enhance the flavor of it really it just adds the saltiness to it but when you put too much on it it tastes horrible i've done that before you like shake it on there and all of a sudden it just kind of just pours in there and you're like oh no there there's everything just ruined there but do you know that our body contains the equivalent of 40 teaspoons of salt? It, it's not salt, it's sodium chloride, if I remember correctly. Um, but it's the equivalent of 40 teaspoons of salt that runs into our body. What it does is it helps fire in our nervous system, and it allows our body to release 
and um, different things in our body to release moisture and for us to stay hydrated. You guys ever been dehydrated? What do they tell you to do? They tell you to drink a lot of what? Gatorade or Pedialyte or something like that. What it does is it helps replenishes the salt in our body so that we can become hydrated. What people don't realize is if you watch runners, what will runners do at the end of, uh, during their run, sometimes they'll drink pickle juice because they want that salt. That salt will replenish the hydration. Yes, it, it just sounds horrible. You know, drinking a bit, you know, I've seen runners do that. They'll just have a, a bottle full of pickle juice and they'll just open it up, drink a bit, couple of big swigs of it and then keep going. But it replenishes what is inside of us that is missing. So it creates um, moisture in our body. Too much salt creates high blood pressure and it's linked to heart disease, stroke, and kidney failure. So Jesus is, is, is basically telling us, hey, you can have the right amount of salt and what it does is it enhances it. But if you have too much salt, it destroys. But Jesus says, you are the what? Salt of the earth. So what do we do? Do we, do we go into the earth and... Okay, how many of you guys have ever tasted rock salt from the bag that you pour on the ice? You guys have all done that. You guys, have, you grab a piece, you're like, oh, I wonder what this tastes like. And you're like, oh, yeah, it tastes like salt. Yeah. No, don't lick salt blocks. Just saying, my daughter just said that. Don't, please don't do that. Um, but... We take rock salt and we throw it on the ground and what does it do? It, it, it creates, um, it gets wet and starts to destroy the ice. It brings it up. I've watched salt bring moisture up from like a two-foot slab. When, uh, when, um, when people who do foundations, they'll, they'll, they'll make the foundation, they'll lay the slab. What do they do? A lot of times they'll take it, throw salt on it. What it does is it draws up the moisture out of the, the cement so it cures faster. I worked for a place one time and they created, um, I think it's like sodium chloride or something like that. And it's what you sprinkle on the, it's that uh, fast melt uh, stuff. It's like blue. And what it does is I've watched it. They'll, they'll drop it. And within like 15 minutes, you'll start to see moisture pool right underneath of it. And it starts to bring up the moisture that is in the, through the cement or that's in the cement. But Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You know, when we're, we think of salt of the earth, we think of how we use salt. How do we use salt? We throw a little bit out there, it, cre- it, it, it melts snow, or we throw a little bit on our food, and it creates flavor. But we need to be the salt of the earth. That means we need to sprinkle ourselves into society. We need to stake ourselves and sprinkle ourselves into society and not be the, the thing of salt. You guys ever, you know, it's weird. You guys ever use ta- regular table salt and then you use sea salt? There's a different flavor with the, the basic salt that you have in the little uh, cardboard container and you pour it into your little shaker, and then there's sea salt. There, there's a, a different texture, a different flavor. It's a different consistency, and it's a different uh, uh, chemical uh, composition. But we need to sprinkle ourselves. As Christians, we need to say, okay, I'm the salt of the earth. How do I go into the areas that I belong and the areas I work, the, the neighborhoods I live in, and sprinkle myself into that area. What happens is, is as Christians, a lot of times we're like, okay, I'm the salt of the earth. Let's all gather together, be salty together, and just sit here and be together. We do. It, 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 that's how Christians think. I'm just going to, I've heard it said, oh, we're just going to bunch ourselves together. We're going to stay here until, it's, until God comes back, and then we're just going to go with him. 
But Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says you're the salt of the earth. Salt is meant to put on things. It doesn't say, hey, take all of your salt, hoard it in the basement, and, and just be so, and it'll all be salty there. You guys ever had a bag of salt that you left in the garage and during the winter and you go back in, in the next fall and you're going to like, oh, I've got a bag of salt in there I can use and it's solid as a rock. It's, it, you have to break it apart with a hammer. You're beating it with a board. You're like slamming it up and down on, on the, the cement. But what it does is that, that's the same thing as Christians do. We like, okay, I'm the salt of the earth. I'm going to stick me in a bag with everybody else and by the, the, the next season, I'm not usable. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm guilty of this. I've left salt in a bag and I leave it in the garage and I go back and it's all rock hard. So I just cut the bag from the side open and just slam it on the, the ground and then just kind of kick it around and, and stuff like that. But what is it done? Is it good for now? It's being trampled underfoot. It's being used to dissolve the ice and the, and the snow that is around me. Jesus says you're supposed to be sprinkled into culture to change culture. Not, oh, well, I'm, I'm in culture and then I just go to church and that's where we're, we're, our salt is. Jesus doesn't say that the church is the salt of the earth. He says, you are the salt of the earth. Me, you, as of each person, we are the salt of the earth. What happens is, is if we're not sprinkled in and we're poured into the earth. Jesus says, you're the salt of the earth. Sprinkle yourself within the earth. But what happens is people try to do this. They, they try to pour themselves into the earth. And what happens? Same way as when you pour something, you take that, that sugar that you think is sugar and you pour it in your coffee and your friend's over there snickering. What happens to your coffee? It becomes bitter. You get salt in there, it becomes bitter. So Jesus says, sprinkle yourself into the earth, into the areas of the earth God has placed you. Don't pour yourself into the earth because when you pour yourself, when you pour salt into the earth, what does it do? Ever got salt into a wound? When you pour salt into the earth, when you take Christians and you pour them into the earth and we're not, we're like, oh, I'm just going to go do whatever Jesus told me to do. And you pour yourself into the earth, it becomes bitter. We were never meant to be poured into a plate and for things to be dipped into. You don't pour salt on a plate and go, oh, I think I'll just dip this in there and then eat it. But but what do we do? We, we try to We try to take our church and our lives and say, okay, well, this is who I am. Now take someone who doesn't understand God and doesn't know God and we say, okay, dip you in there and what happens? It becomes bitterness. We become overpowering. We become bitter to the taste and people are like, I don't want to taste that. I don't want to be around that and I don't want to have anything to do with that. We were meant to go out and enhance the world we live in and not push people away from God but draw people to When we get too much salt on something, we throw it out. That's what the world does. When we become so overpowering to the world that they're like, well, I don't want to have anything to do with this. What do they do? They throw that idea of Jesus and his followers out the door and say, well, you know what? Nope, I'm done with that. Because they, they came in, they rubbed salt in the wound, and it became hurtful to me. Our dealings with the world, when we step out of this room on a Sunday morning, Sunday afternoon, whatever, 
our dealings with the world should be sprinkling salt on them so they it enhances the world around them so they're like why why every time this person is around me my life is better every time i'm around this person my 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 thought on life changes my outlook on life changes they bring hope to me but what we what we do is we tend to get really salty with people and then they're like i don't like christians because they're just mean and they're they're ornery we sprinkle salt on food so it enhances the flavor we don't sprinkle salt on food on food to make it look better we we don't sprinkle salt on food oh wow i put two pieces of salt on it it looks so much better salt does not make anything look better it makes things taste better so why are we so focused on the outward of how we are instead of the inward so it's like oh well i've got to look a certain way for people to come to church and i want i want i have to look this way for people to want to come to church. But God's like, I want you to come to church because I love you. I I put salt on the earth for people to show you the love of Christ. You know, we're called to be a seasoning to the world. And it sounds weird. We're not going to cook anything. Don't worry about it. But we're called to be a seasoning to the world because Jesus says you are the salt of the earth. When Jesus went out, what did he do? He enhanced people's lives. If you read the Gospels, everything Jesus did was to bring people into the kingdom. He would heal people. He would set them free. He opened blind eyes. He he brought people back to life. You know, be the seasoning in people's lives. Don't be the rock salt that melts on their front door. Because what happens is, is we, we tend to start, okay, I, I'm, I'm guilty of this. Me and my brother, when we were kids, my dad would be like, go out and salt the walk or front of the garage. We'd have fights with it. We'd throw it at each other. You ever been pelted with salt? Okay, it hurts really, really bad. And if I remember correctly, I think it was the Romans. What the Romans would do is they would take, when they would, with, when they would um, beat people and, and whip them, they would take chunks of salt and wrap them on, on the, the, the ends of the, the whips, and they would hit people with them. So what would happen is, is this, is the pain not only of it hitting your body, but what would happen is, is the salt would break off inside of that wound, and, and all it would do is just fester. So Jesus is like, don't, don't be so exclusive that your salt all comes is all brought to one storehouse and, and no one knows that we have salt. He's like, you're the salt of the earth. Go and enhance the lives of the people around you. Go out and make people's lives better. Bring them the good news of the gospel. Tell them about Jesus, that he loves them. But we tend to like, oh, I'm just going to hoard it in the, in the basement here. And if they want some, I might give them. He spread... He put us in different areas in our life to bring the salt of the world to people. Jesus said, you're the salt of the world. That means you go into the schools, you go into the banking, you go into community mental health, you go in anywhere he places you and he says, you're the salt of the world. Now bring what I've, t- I've told you to do to that area, enhance that area 
that way people are like, why is your life so good? Why is the area that you touch so good and so flavorful and so, and so um, out of control in a good way that like we don't understand? Everything's working out for you. Everything, every area you touch is becoming different. It has changed because what it is is to say, I'm the salt of the earth. You don't, don't say that to him because it just sounds weird. I'm just saying, but you're the salt of the earth. Jesus says, wherever I put you, you're, you're, you will add flavor to that. You will bring life to that. We need salt to live. A little too much salt will kill you. But Jesus says, I'm giving you salt because you have to have it in your body. It keeps your body functioning right. Don't put 40 teaspoons of salt on someone's food and say, well, hey, I'm the salt of the earth. They're going to say, you're paying my bill because you just ruined my food. But we need 40 teaspoons in us to make our body function properly. Too much, too little. You know, you guys ever been, there's always that person, they're just like, they're so overpowering. They love God and and you, you know they love God, but they're just so overpowering and you're just like, please, will you stop talking? You're making the rest of us look bad. And I'm not trying to be mean, but they love God, but they're just so overpowering, it becomes them rubbing the salt in the wounds of the people that they think they're trying to help. Our lives are to bring life to people around us, not to rub salt in their wounds and in the society we live in. What we have is is we have too many Christians out there going, this is how it's supposed to be, and you're supposed to turn from this. Yes, we're supposed to teach repentance, but when you take, when you're the salt of the earth, and you go out to society and you stand on the corner and you scream and you tell people, "Hell, by the way, you're going to hell if you don't do this, and you don't, you're going to go to hell if you don't do this," we become the salt in the wounds of the people around us, and people don't want to deal with us. Start look at verse fourteen. Our lives. Light up the world. Let others see your light from a distance. For how can you hide a city that stands on a hill? And who would light a lamp and then hide it in an obscure place? Instead, it's placed where everyone in the house can benefit from its light. I'm going to read you this right before I get into it. Here. It says, uh, this is in John 8, 12. This is Jesus. And this is the uh, ESV version. It says, I love the heading that says, I am the light of the world. And Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will live in the light of life. But then in Matthew, he says, you're the light of the world. When I first read this, when I was younger, I was like, well, wait a minute. In In this book, he says, he's the light of the world. But then in Matthew, he says, you're the light of the world. So it started to confuse me a little bit, but... When you start to understand Scripture, you start to understand that Jesus, when, when He is living inside of us, He's living through us. So we become the image bearers, we become the light bearers of Him in this world. Jesus said He's the light of the world, but He calls us the light of the world. That means He's living in us. That means something in us is so bright that people are drawn to it. This means people will look for people who can navigate in a dark world. You guys ever been uh, sitting on the front porch of your house and 
someone kicks the light on middle of the summer it's nice you know it's june july you know it's 75 degrees out and then somebody kicks the light on in the front porch of your house every moth every bug everything that is gonna fly in your face for us and our neighbors it's june bugs and our and my 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 wife and our neighbor's wife they run screaming going like this in their hair when when they when a light kicks on because the june bugs are flying at them and they're they're running away from it but what is what is it? it is they're drawn to that light they're drawn to the the light everything else around them is dark but that's what jesus has called us to do is yes we're image bearers of him we 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 draw the light comes through us but it's from him and he's like you're the light of the world you're going to shine in a dark place and people will come out of the darkness to meet me they will come to know me a city on a hill is drawn to by people seeking shelter it can be seen for miles you you put a city on a hill and it'll be seen for miles you know, um, I was reading somewhere where a, a, a standard, like a, a, just a small fire in, a, in, a, in the correct area, in the correct height can be seen for like a mile. Just a small fire. They can see that flame flickering for a mile. And I, it was funny because Friday, yeah, Friday night we were at our neighbor's house and I'm like seeing this light way off in the distance and I'm watching it going, what, what, what is that? And Donna goes, UFO. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like, no, I don't think it's a UFO. Um, and I'm like, I'm watching it and I'm standing, I'm watching, it, I'm looking kind of northwest and I'm like, man, what is that light? I've never seen that light before. And I just see it flick, flick. And I can't see the light, so I'm moving around their yard and I'm like looking and I kind of position myself in between the trees and I finally see it. There's just this bright light going. And I was like, man, and I was drawn to it for like 10 minutes. I'm like, what is that? I'm like walking around trying to figure it out having a stupid conversation about what is that light? Like it's the biggest thing in the world. But what was happening? I was being drawn to it. I was being drawn to that light because I didn't know what it was. And I, uh, someone else is there and I said, well, when you go, go home, see if you, if you, when you drive by it, let me know what it is. And they're driving by and they messaged me later on that day and uh, they're like, oh, it's a cell phone tower. They must have put a new light at the top of it. I'm like, huh, that's weird. I've never seen that light before in my life. You know, I've been over their house a bunch of times, had bonfires, but I'd never seen that light once until a couple days ago. But what was happening is, is I was drawn to it. Our lives are supposed to be like that. When we're flashing as a beacon, and people are like, what is that? I want to go investigate. Why is their life so good? Why is their family so good? Why are their kids so good? Because their life, is standing out as a beacon of hope and a beacon of light in this world because people need hope. A city on a hill is drawn to by people who are looking for hope and refuge. They, put city, they didn't put cities in valleys most of the time. Because why? In ancient times, they didn't put cities on valleys, valleys because it was a strategic point. You put a city in a valley, everybody can surround you from above. 
and death and destruction from above. But on a, sitting on a hill, you can see what is going on for miles, and you can see what is coming at you. But Jesus says you're a city on a hill. You have the light of the world in you. The church is supposed to be in the city on a hill. We are supposed to be that group of people that people come to and say, man, my life is struggling. I'm, I'm dealing with this and I'm struggling with this. And they can instantly come to me and say, you know what? You're a beacon of hope. Jesus says you're the light of the world. And our lives and our church should be a safe place of refuge and hope for people who need to get out of the darkness. Our lives are lights to our neighbor, our neighbors, our neighborhood, our co-workers, our families. When they're in a dark place, our lives should be the light that they see. When their lives are in darkness, where do they go? They look for light. People are naturally like the, 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 the mosquitoes and the moths. When they see hope and they see something that might be able to fix what is going on in their life, they are drawn to it. And they are drawn to it for a reason because Jesus put us there. You know, we, we say, oh, I'm the salt of the earth and I'm the, the, light, I'm the light of the world. But what we should not become is this. We don't want to become the underground church. And I don't mean the underground church like in you know, areas that are persecuted. I'm talking this. The underground church. We like the church the way it is and we only bring our light out when we are around the people that is the safest to be. Philippians 2, 12-13 says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now, not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. But this, Paul says above this, it says you're the light of the world. You know, we if we create a church that is a city on a hill, but we, we, we only bring the light out when we're, when it's safe to bring the light out and everybody around, oh, well, okay, nope, I know that person, I know that person, I know that person. Okay, everybody bring your light out. It's good to go. We're going to do it at church. There's nobody here that that is uh, messy or unsafe and it's, it's going to be okay. Paul, What does Paul say? He says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. That means a lot. People are messy. If messy scares you, when people are working out, out their salvation, are you really wanting to be the light of the world? The light of the world says, I'm going to draw you in no matter where you're at, where you're from, how, however you're going through, whatever you're going through, I'm going to draw you in. It may not be you personally that, that, that has to work with that person, but Think about it. If, if God used you as light in that one area to draw a person in so they met someone else at church that could help them walk through it, is it not worth it? Is it not better to bring one person into the kingdom that way? We, ha we cannot take our light and say, well, I'm just going to hide it. And when I'm safe around church people that I know, I'm going to bring it out and we're all going to talk about it. But as soon as I walk out of the building, then we won't talk about it. We all whisper in church. We don't talk too loud because somebody might hear us talk about it. 
The next one is this. And bear with me. You know, it says you're the light of the world, not the fire in the basement. You know, it, it, what happens is, is this, is you're the light of the world. That means you're supposed to go out and, and share the good news of Jesus Christ. You're supposed to draw people in, not be that guy that's burning out the basement and scaring everybody away from the church. We're supposed to draw people in with who we are, not like, oh, I'm just going to set this on fire and it's going to push everybody away from us. When you have people who are out there and they're telling people, oh, by the way, you're going to go to hell. People understand they're on their way to hell. Whether they, under, they know Jesus or not, they know their lives. There's something created in every one of us that know when we're far from God. Because what happens is, is when, Jesus, uh, when God says, hey, let's make man in our image. So that means man. That means every person, saved and unsaved, is created in the image of God. That means there's a unique link to their creator. Whether they're born again or not, there's still a link to their creator, and that is God. They may deny it, they may not listen to it, they may not, but they understand that there's a... Uh, oh, they may oh, I believe in evolution, and, and I was just created from some slimy thing that came out of the ground, and you know, 25 million years later, here I am. They still understand who God is in a way that He is their creator. That's why they're trying to deny Him because of who they are, of the hurt that they have. But what happens is if we become that, that church that says, well, oh yeah, by the way, I'm just going to... Uh, we're going to be that fire in the basement. So anytime that you have anything you're, you're dealing with, we're just going to push you out. We're going to light it on fire so you just run away. We have to make a... People who love God, but all they do is rub salt in the wounds of society, create a church that does not create an environment that people want to go to. And I'm not saying we make it... Uh, we. we create a church that's like, oh, please, we don't care what you do, live however you want. No, I'm not saying that. I'm saying we have to create an environment where people want to come and they want to stay. They want to, they want to change their lives. We have to be a, the flavoring of life and a beacon to people to come and experience God. If we think that we can be salt and light without the move of the Holy Spirit, Without signs and wonders, people want to see power and they want to see authority. Jesus said, all authority has been given to you. So if He gives us authority, He says, you're the salt of the, of the world, the, uh, the light of the world. You're a city on a hill. How is He going to say, He give us all these, uh, basically these um, objectives and these things that He says, this is what you're supposed to do. This is how you're supposed to do it. How is he supposed to do that if, if he doesn't if we don't actually start to use that? We need to have power, we need to have authority, but we don't need to rub the salt in the wounds of the people around us. We have to be a greenhouse for people to come to and experience God and grow in what He has for them. What happens is too many people come to church, they meet Jesus, they have an experience with God and He, and he radically changes their life but nothing happens after that, and they, and they fade away. It's like the seed, you know, uh, you throw it on the ground, some of it falls in the rocky soil, some of it falls in the path, some of it fall, falls in good soil, some of it falls in the weeds. And what happens is, is they meet Jesus, 
but it gets in the thorns and the, and the, and the things of life drag them down and overpower them. Or it falls on the, uh, they meet Jesus and then it falls on the, on the path and they just get overpowered in life and, and walked on in life. We have to be a greenhouse for when people understand, meet Jesus and they come to know Jesus that their life changes and we help them walk through life. Not, well, congratulations, you're saved. Now, now sit here and throw your money in every week. It's not about that. It's about taking people and saying, you know what, you have a destiny and a calling in, in your life and God knows it and He's giving us wisdom how to, to train you up, how to grow you. It, it'd be like having a... It, If someone comes to Christ and is born again and you take them and say, oh, congratulations, you're born again. Here's your Bible. There's a, there's a chair. Sit down. Throw your money in. Congratulations. That right there is the same equivalent of as having a child and setting the baby in, in a stroller and saying, here's some food. Good luck. Take care of yourself. Well, we, we do. You would never do that with a baby. You would never do that with a two-year-old child and say, hey, well, here's some ravioli, a can opener, and a fork, here's the microwave right there, put it in there. You would never do that. You, you, your house would be burnt down, the microwave would be sparking, the two-year-old would probably cut themselves on the lid, and everything would be, and it would be worse. The, the, the baby would be dead. But why do we do that, that in the church? Oh, by the way, oh, oh congratulations, you're, they came up, oh, you said the sinner's prayer, you're saved, great, here's a Bible, good luck. And I'm not discounting any of that by any means. But why do we why do we set people like that? If we're the salt of the earth, if we're, we're the light of the world, then why do we not take people and say, okay, you're born again, you've come to Christ, and they, oh, well, now we're done with you, that's all we're here for. No, we're supposed to be a greenhouse. We're supposed to grow people. If we don't grow people, what's going to happen in, in 25 years, in 50 years, whatever, there's not going to be a church. This church wouldn't exist unless we grow people. If we said, okay, we've got everybody together, let's all hide in the basement, we got all of our salt together, and we're going to hold it out until Jesus comes, what happens? No one knows who he is. No one knows who you are. Be salt, but don't rub it in their wounds. Be light, but don't hide it in a, in a, don't be that fire in the basement that no one sees. He says, what do you do? You put that light on a lampstand so everyone can see it. He, he doesn't say, well, you, you put it under a bushel. Remember that song when you were little? Yeah, you all remember that song. Um, you don't put it under a basket and say, oh, I'm just going to lift it every now and then when we need light. No, you, li you leave that lamp uncovered. Have you ever lit one candle in the middle of your room, in the middle of the night, and how much light does it give? You know, like those little bitty, what are those little round, what? Tea lights. Okay, there we go. Why do they call them both? Anyway, um, those little bitty candles, tea lights, and you light one of them and set that in the middle of your, your room or in the middle of a kitchen or whatever. How much light does it give from that one little wick? Be the salt of the earth and add season to people's lives. Be the light of the world and draw them to the redemption of Jesus Christ. Be the person that creates a greenhouse effect for the people's lives around you and help them grow. We cannot draw them in and say, oh, by the way, good, you're saved. See you later. Hope your life works out for you. 
We cannot do that. If we're to bring change to this world, if we're going to draw people in, we have to create a place for people to grow. We have to create an atmosphere for people to change and grow and grow in wisdom and grow in knowledge of Jesus Christ. Be the greenhouse that people want. People don't come to church and say, well, I come to church because i got nothing better to do. They come to church because they want to understand Jesus more. They want to understand that they want to know God more. To be the salt of the earth, be the light of the world, be that city on a hill. Draw them in. Let's pray.